In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Sunday Morning Worship Podcast. We are glad that you are worshiping with us in an attempt to love our neighbors, to love our church members, and to protect the vulnerable of our community. We have suspended in-person worship services for the month of May so that we may do our part to stop the spread of this terrible virus that's ravaging our country and our world. Monday is Memorial Day. It is a day that we remember and honor those who have given their lives uh, in service of our country. The word thankful comes to mind, that we are thankful for those who have given not just their, their time and their energy and efforts, but those who have, have ended up giving their lives um, in the process. As followers of Jesus, we are called to care for widows and orphans. And so many times when, when people die in war, they leave behind uh, mothers and fathers, or they are mothers and fathers, and they leave behind children and brothers and sisters and family who are, are distraught over the loss. And as followers of Jesus, looking at Memorial Day, we are thankful for those who have given their lives but we also pray that we would have the opportunity to care well for those that they leave behind, that we would work for peace in our own lives and in our own neighborhoods, because ultimately we know that we on our own may never be able to achieve world peace, but we know that we can work for peace amongst the people that we know and amongst the conflicts that we have a say in. But we also, as followers of Jesus, encourage and challenge our leaders, uh, the people who make the decisions whether to go to war or not. We encourage them and challenge them to seek the ways of peace, that we, we hope and pray that they will make the decisions that will honor human life, that will preserve human life, and that will allow flourishing for all people, regardless of what flag they fly under. And so those are our thoughts going into Memorial Day. Next week is Pentecost, and it is the Sunday that we recognize in the second chapter of Acts, where the Holy Spirit filled the church. And as we do that, a, a tradition that has gotten started, and I, I don't know where it came from, but it's, it's kind of, of fun, I think, is we wear red for Pentecost. Uh, the red signifies the power of the Holy Spirit. So next Sunday, as you listen to the worship podcast, um, or whenever you happen to listen to the worship podcast, you don't have to listen to it on Sunday, but as you listen, whenever you listen, wear red. Put on a red t-shirt, or if you have a red blazer, uh, you can put on your red sports jacket and, uh, and celebrate being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. But then, if you feel so inclined, go out in front of your house or, or in your living room or, or in your car when you're, you're stopped and, and safe to do so, um, and, and take a selfie of you 
in your red clothing. The email address for the church is on our church, ba- church website, and that is onebaptistchurch.org. And send the picture to our church email address, and we will put all of the pictures together in a gallery on the church website so that we can all see each other wearing red. Uh, it's, it's a strange time that we're in right now, uh, and we're not meeting together all in one place, but we are worshiping together uh, wherever we are, and it's just a fun way of getting to see everybody's smiling faces wearing red. So wear red for Pentecost. Pentecost is next Sunday. Thursday is our 12 hours of prayer, and if you have not signed up for that yet, details are in the email newsletter from this past Friday. We are glad you are worshiping with us, and we pray that as we sing and as we pray and as Scripture is read and proclaimed, that you would know the presence of Jesus with you wherever you are.
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear, Fa- Dear Father, we come before you to worship you. Let there be joy in our heart and praise on our lips. We recognize you as sovereign and in control of all. Today is Ascension Sunday, and this is the day that we commemorate your return to your Father in heaven. And yet, as the disciples were gazing up into the sky as Jesus was rising, the angel said, Why are you gazing? Just as he is arisen, he will someday come back again. And we as Christians who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, this is a day we are looking for. But in the meantime, we are commanded to take the gospel, the good news, to those who need to hear it. Lord, I pray for the members of our congregation who are not well. I pray for the members who are in treatments. I pray for those that are having emotional difficulty during this time of social distancing and quarantine. I pray for those who are lonely, Lord. And each one of us has friends, family, acquaintances that we're concerned about. And Lord, you know what all the prayer requests are, and they lay those requests before you. And you also have a plan in place for each and every one of them. Lord, I thank you for our young church. I thank you for the young people that come on a weekly basis. I pray for Melissa and Pastor John as their leaders, that they can show to them what the means to show the love of Jesus. And each and every one of them have prayer requests, Lord. And I ask that, and Lord, you know those prayer requests, and I ask that you would answer them in a way that they can understand. Lord, I pray for Sophie and also for Luke, who's graduated high school, and I ask that you you would be with them and that Sophie would get the help that she needs and that Luke would be able to decide what his future will be. And Lord, I ask that each of them keep their faith strong during this tough time that we have. Lord, I thank you for this church, and I firmly believe that you have a plan for this church and the Holy Spirit will reveal it to us in his timing. And Lord, help us as a congregation to heed the the direction of the Holy Spirit as we carry out the plan that you have for us. Lord, I thank you for our HOPE program and I ask that you be with it as we continue to serve those in the community who need to eat. And Lord, there's been talk now of reopening, and I pray for the leaders that have to make these decisions, and I ask that whatever decision they make is in the best interest of the people that they are here to serve. And Lord, if we do open up our services, help us to do what is right for our congregation. Be with us today, Lord, in our podcast. Be with our pastor as he brings the message. Anoint his lips with words of inspiration for us. 
And I ask that this podcast be a blessing to someone who needs a word of encouragement. In your precious name I pray, amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, He commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You have to pity the disciples because they spend so much of the Gospels just getting it wrong. They, they open their mouths and they say the things that they think are right to say, especially Peter, and then just the wrong thing just comes tumbling out. And they're, they're constantly making mistakes and making errors, and, and it's, it's been preserved for all of history uh, in the Bible. Could you imagine... If, if your day-to-day mistakes in conversation and talking with people were preserved for all of history, I would not that want that to be a thing. The book of John would turn out to be a very different type of book altogether. And in this passage, we see the disciples get a couple things wrong. But you also have to pity the angels, because the angels, both at the, the end of the Gospel of Luke and uh, at, the end, at the beginning here of the book of Acts, in, in both situations, uh, they come off looking as somewhat these sarcastic know-it-alls. Because here they are, they're, they're always having to drop in and say, you know, why are you doing this? You know, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? You know, don't you know Jesus is risen, just as he told you he was going to? And then here we have Jesus who has who ascended to heaven, and now the angels have shown up and said, why are you still looking upward into the sky? Um, you know, don't you know that Jesus is going to return just as he said he would? 
and, and it's almost that old Monty Python refrain, get on with it! Because the angels are saying, okay, yes, we know you have watched this happen, but now go get about doing what he told you to do. And so this is what the disciples are left with at the end of the passage today. Today is Ascension Sunday. Technically, last Thursday was the, the Feast of the Ascension, um, but we, we celebrate it commonly on a Sunday. And the Ascension marks Jesus' seeming physical departure from this world and into the realm of heaven. And, and it gets overlooked a lot of times um, because sometimes we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to do with this story uh, because we assert that Jesus is alive, but this is the moment that we could no longer see Jesus. We say that Jesus is, is present everywhere, yet it seems as if this is the, the moment that Jesus departs earth and is now nowhere to be seen. And maybe out of embarrassment, maybe out of fear of not being able to explain this, we, we don't deal with the ascension a lot. But there's a difficulty in the fact that we don't deal with the ascension because the ascension is not what we might think it is. The ascension is not Jesus leaving us on our own as if he is a a father who has just bought his kid a new car and drives it home, gets out of the driver's seat, tosses the keys to this bewildered 16-year-old, and says, drive, kid. This isn't what Jesus is doing here. In Jesus' ascension, Jesus is actually becoming more present to us than we ever could have imagined. Jesus is now, having, having been crucified, having been resurrected, Jesus is now ascended, and that has meaning. At the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is in control in both places. We have an idea a lot of times as followers of Jesus about time. We think we've kind of got like this time thing figured out, that God is Lord of time, that he can see, he knows the, what we call the past, he knows what we call the present, and he knows what is to come. But we have a, a bit of difficulty envisioning space. And... Many times when we think of heaven, we think of it as being up, as if you could, if you went high enough, that you could get there. Never mind the fact that if you were from a particular vantage point, it would look like you were going downwards. There was a, a long-held conception, especially in the, the Middle Ages, that you know, earth was here, and down below was hell, and up above was heaven, and it was kind of this triple-decker thing, and that was the way that, that this worked. 
When I was young, my dad flew to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to pick up a car that his father no longer needed, and then he was going to bring uh, Grandpa with him back to visit. And I remember, uh, I knew Dad was taking a camera, and I remember asking Dad to take a picture of heaven on his way to Myrtle Beach, which is kind of a disconcerting thing for your kid to say when you're getting on an airplane. Um, But I legitimately thought that heaven was on top of clouds. So as a cloud floated by, whether it was dumping rain or snow or whatever, that people were partying with Jesus on top of that cloud. That was my perception of how all of this happened to be. A better way to imagine this is to imagine it as two spheres or realms or, or however, however it's helpful for you to imagine. We've, we have a couple of glimpses in it in our, our popular culture, in our, our world. Um, C.S. Lewis in his Narnia series depicts Narnia as a, a place that is not far from our current world that can be entered through wardrobes or through paintings or through a train station. And then you're in a place where Aslan rules. Um, the sci-fi TV show Doctor Who, the main, uh, the main vehicle in that show is called the TARDIS, and it is a blue police box from England. And the way that the TARDIS moves around is that the exterior is in one dimension and the interior is in a different dimension. And the show explains how that is if you're a tremendous nerd like me and have watched numerous episodes from 1963 on, you kind of have an idea of how this all goes. But when we imagine Jesus being ascended and ascending into heaven, we're given the image of him moving upward. But that's not to say that heaven is up or down or side to side. Where God lives, heaven, is very near to earth. God didn't create earth, and then far off, he made a place called heaven so that we would have this image that heaven was this far-off place, that, that God is, is this far-off ruler, distant, separated from all of our mucky-muck down here on earth. To quote the title of a hairband song, heaven isn't too far away. It's not far from any of us. It's a different realm where God lives. And Jesus is Lord in heaven and on earth. Through the crucifixion and the resurrection, this lordship has been handed to Jesus because he has started to put the enemies of God under his feet. We went over that last week. And that leads us directly to where we are today. Because when we think about Jesus being Lord... The ascension is where he takes his seat at the throne. The implications for that are staggering. 
Jesus is not in heaven at the right hand of God as some sort of a, a shady spiritual figure or some, some kind of imaginative thing. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God as a human being. And Jesus is Lord over earth as well. And so Jesus is ruling and guiding and, and controlling things on earth. As I think I have said no fewer than two dozen times, earth is still in rebellion against the lordship of Christ, but it will not always be that way. So if Jesus is Lord of heaven and on earth, what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus, and what does that mean for us as the church? What it means is that Jesus is physically present in everything that we do and is there for us at the right hand of God. And let's start with this right hand of God business. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and he's not just kind of hanging out, waiting around for either A, somebody to zap, or B, for the world to end so that he can come back. What Jesus is doing is he is constantly praying with us and for us and interceding on our behalf to God the Father. When we have our, our struggles in life, Jesus is at God's side saying, I know what this is like. I know what he's going through. I know what she's doing. I know why, why they're doing this. I, like, I understand why they're acting like this. And, and, and pleading for us at the right hand of God and forgiving us. The same things that Jesus did on earth, he's doing at the right hand of God the Father. He's forgiving sins. He's healing. He's guiding. He's setting people free. I don't think it's any coincidence that, when, that one of the key things for people to overcome addiction is to realize, one, that there's a higher power, and two, that that higher power's name is Jesus. Because Jesus still sets people free. Jesus is still Lord. And that work is ongoing. When we live our lives and we feel as if we are hopeless, that we are lost, that we are lonely, we have Jesus, the crucified and risen one, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, saying, this person needs some extra help today. This person needs some extra grace today. Stepping in for us, stepping up to bat for us. And if we are thinking that Jesus is some sort of absentee landlord, 
somebody who owns a piece of property but lives in a far-off town. It couldn't be any further from the truth. That's one of the reasons I don't like this this triple-decker bus idea of, like, heaven above, and then earth is like the, the, the second deck of the bus, like these double-decker buses that you see in pictures of London or whatever. And they've got them around here too, where you have the main level of the bus and, and you kind of see people are crowded into the main level of the bus, and it's loud and noisy because the engine's down there, and, and it's, it's a little bit unpleasant, but if you can get up to the top level... If you can get up to the top level, you know, the windows might be open and there might be a cool breeze blowing and you have a seat rather than standing up. That doesn't give us a good picture of what Jesus is doing and where Jesus is right now. Through his ascension, Jesus is everywhere. Through his ascension, Jesus can be present to us now while he is also present at the right hand of God. While he is also present with believers on the other side of the world. While he is present with somebody who is lost and hurting down the street. Because that lordship that gives him a position at the right hand of God also gives him a position at our side. We would be foolish, however, if we thought that the only point of Jesus' mission was for our personal faith and encouragement. Because we do have a personal relationship with Jesus. Each one of us has to understand who Jesus is to us and what parts of our lives are and are not under the lordship of Christ. But by the ascension of Jesus, we also have to understand that those of us who follow Jesus and live out Jesus' ways have work to do. Because the disciples start asking Jesus, you know, hey, um, when, when is this going to be fulfilled? When are you going to fulfill Israel's promise? And as I said before, they get it wrong. And it seems like they ask repeatedly. When the apostles were with Jesus, verse 6, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And there it is. Restore our kingdom. Our kingdom. They still think that Jesus is there to begin this work of establishing God's reign just over one group of people, to the exclusion of others, and to crush the earthly enemies of Israel under his feet. And Jesus says, this isn't what we're talking about. He said, the when is not for you to know. He said, it's all arranged, 
but it's not for you to know. But you will be my witnesses. And this idea of being witnesses is a powerful thing. We can be witnesses on our own, But when we look at somebody individually, it's easy to see the honorable things about a person and the dishonorable things about a person. It's easy to see their great strengths of character, but it's also easy to see their flaws. But when we are together, when you will be my witnesses, when we are together as a church, united as a group of people being the witnesses of Jesus, then something really gets going. Because then we're living out this life of Jesus within ourselves, individually, and we're living it out between each other in the church. And as the church moves into the neighborhood, outside of the, the boundaries of our church, we start to cross more and more boundaries. And we bear witness to what Jesus has done in our midst. We bear witness to where Jesus is present in the world. We bear witness to where people is present in homes and in schools and in workplaces and in gyms and in, uh, in bars and coffee shops. And I think that's been one of the, the things that I've struggled with the most in these past two months or so is all of the places where I've used to be I have grown accustomed to being a witness to Jesus have been closed. And they have been closed for a very good reason. And I know that there's controversy about the closure of these places. And I know that these places are opening back up. Slowly. But that doesn't mean, and I've had to, I, I've paid a price to learn this. That doesn't mean that just because the normal places are shut, it doesn't mean that we've been robbed of our opportunity to be a witness. It just means that we need a better imagination on how to be a witness. Because if we are to be Jesus' witnesses and pay attention to what Jesus says, he says, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem. And he's talking, to this, he's talking to the disciples when he says this. And they were very familiar with Jerusalem. They knew Jerusalem. If you were, if you were Jewish in the first century in that part of the world, you knew Jerusalem. You went there as much as you could. You'll be a witness in the familiar places. But he also says, you'll be witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, that you're going to start to cross boundaries. 
and you're going to start to go out into places that are both familiar and unfamiliar, places that are friendly and places that are hostile, places that know what you're all about, places that know what you're all about and hate you for it, and places that have no idea what you're all about. And it would take some imagination because what the disciples thought of as to the ends of the earth or most likely would have thought of by to the ends of the earth was the span of the Roman Empire. But Christianity would end up in places that were outside of the Roman Empire. Christianity would end up in places that were that were very far flung indeed from where Jesus and the disciples were standing in Jerusalem. And so we have to have an imagination for witness, not just where, but what that looks like. Because what our, our role is as witnesses as, as the church is to bear the life of Jesus out as a corporate body. As a group of people, we are to live the life of Jesus. And that means forgiving. That means healing. That means breaking chains. That means freeing people from oppression. But sometimes that also means dying. Sometimes that means putting the needs of others ahead of our own. Sometimes that means putting ourselves aside and giving something else life. And those moments are scary. And those moments are difficult. And in the past few months, some of us have wrestled with those moments where things feel like death. But if we die in Christ, we will rise in Christ. And if we rise in Christ, then we will be drawn up into this amazing work that Christ is doing in our world. Because whenever we go to be these witnesses, in forgiving, healing, dying, rising, Christ is there. Christ is present with us. Because he's overcome this already. He has overcome death. He has overcome sin. He has overcome the grave. And he is now Lord of the whole world. And that is tremendously encouraging for us. And it doesn't make us the type of victors that allow us to beat our chests and, and declare a great triumphant victory that makes us supreme over everybody else. It gives us the victory of knowing that we serve the one who has gone ahead and done all of this, that we serve Jesus. And that through Jesus, 
we are bringing hope to the world. And it's this hope that carries us through. The ascension is not the absence of a physical Christ on earth, but it is the presence of a physical Christ in heaven and on earth. And if we can understand the great hope that comes from that, if we can understand the good news that comes from that, then we have something that we can offer to the world, which is an understanding of the presence of that Jesus. Your 
like for you to pray with me. We have, for the past few weeks, been engaging in something called Pray for Pentecost, a church-wide prayer initiative. We are currently in the fourth week, and we have had a daily prayer calendar where we pray for uh, a few people in our church every day. Um, And we have also had weekly prayers that we all unite together in prayer over. And so this is the prayer for week four, and then on Thursday we will switch to the prayer that will get us ready for Pentecost Sunday, but for right now here is the prayer for week four. Let's pray together. Grant, O Lord, that the course of this world may be peaceably governed by your providence, and that your church may joyfully serve you in confidence and serenity. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We thank you for joining us this morning for worship. We pray that you would be aware of the presence of Jesus as you have listened to this podcast, but also as you go through your week. If you are in need of hope, if you are in need of help, uh, we encourage you to reach out to the church. Uh, Again, our website is onebaptistchurch.org. The website or the phone number and the email address are on the website, and you can get a hold of somebody through there. Uh, And if you have to leave a voicemail, please do so, and somebody will return your call. And we hope that you'll worship with us next week by wearing red and sending us a, a Pentecost picture. Um, we would be, we'll be happy to see how this, uh, this little weird experiment of ours turns out. Uh, so hopefully it is uh, a time that we can all be encouraged uh, by the reminder that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to be Jesus' church. And so as we go, just remember, love God, love your neighbor, and wash your hands.